it's late and it's riddled with coronavirus. Welcome back to the FL Sesh podcast. Welcome back to the FL Sesh podcast. I know you've missed me. Um, as you can probably tell, I'm hiding it extremely well. I am I am extremely unwell. Um, it's not 2021. However, I've still managed, I've still contrived to catch coronavirus, which is not ideal, but there you go. Um, as will become clear throughout the course of this episode, Andy and I are actually not together again. This is another one of our now infamous clip show episodes. Um, nothing to do with earlier on in the week, me not being able to complete a sentence without coughing. Much more to do with Andy listening to me talk for about 10 seconds and fearful of catching Rona over the airwaves, just just abandoned ship, um, which I cannot blame him for. Um Yeah, classic back and forth, mixing up Andy's words, misconstruing what he's saying. Maybe mixing up his predictions to make sure I get a few points back. Um, we shall see. Um, Andy's actually given me some notes because my Rona-addled brain is is prone to forgetting things. So first off, I'll uh, I'll steal Andy's thunder with our, our socials plug. Um, follow us on everything. I think it's at EFL the EFL Sesh podcast or EFL Sesh podcast, one or the other, um, on both Instagram. And Twitter, but it's not Twitter anymore, is it? It's X. So whatever platform you find us on, follow us on there. Um, it's, we'll, we'll be doing a league at a time. So I'll be doing my favourite league, League One, and Andy will, will be covering the championship in League Two. But before all that, I've got an ominously named file to play for you. And I don't recognise the name, so I'm not entirely sure what the file is about. It might just be for me. In which case, I'll cut this audio out and, uh, and and I'll just listen to it. But if not, you and I are both about to hear what Andy has called Dejfon Chansiri statement. So here we go. Over to you, Andy. Thanks, Joe. Uh, before we get into the uh, championship breakdown, which I'll be going through the uh, two games, I, I kind of want to allude to a unbelievable last few weeks obviously for Sheffield Wednesday start the season obviously got rid of Darren Moore and uh, for you know I found it very very harsh um got him obviously through one of the best comebacks ever um in a league 1 playoff semi-final um against uh, Peterborough won the cha- uh, league 1 playoff final got him into the championship then bought, obviously got rid of him bought him Cisco Munoz, who has obviously made a really, really poor start, unfortunately. They're still, you know, haven't got a win at all in the championship. But, you know, if if things couldn't get any more wrong at the club, you know, the, the owner of Sheffield Wednesday has been uh, giving some quite poignant statements, definitely, in uh, the last few weeks. And the one he released a few days ago completely baffled me in terms of firstly you know there, there's there's being transparent and I appreciate you know any football club owner being transparent with the fans but 
the way he's gone about it in in this recent statement about the club, and he clearly wants to sell the club. Obviously, that's made, I think he's made that abundantly clear. Um, is outright absurd, if I'm being totally honest. So some some like you know it starts off pretty good. The statement, uh, his latest one, he's saying fans can complain, criticize, give strong opinions, balanced opinions, say anything you like. But then he says, but no one has the right to cross the line and try or the right to try and cause damage, throw insults or go to my family, which has happened again, which I cannot accept. Completely agree. Like, you know, if his family are getting issues with, with, with the fans based on, you know, what's going on, then I completely condone that. You know, you shouldn't, no one's family ever should come into these things. It's a football matter. You should always just address it as football fans, as adults. But, you know, he's very much, very much like, you know, saying that in this statement that he clearly doesn't care about the fans. He's someone that doesn't want to spend any more money. Um, you, you know, he's saying, you have no right to ask me to leave. I'm the only one, I'm the one who saved the club and spent the money for the club. I'm the one who needs to pay around two million on average every month. Some fans need to have more respect for owners of clubs and not to be selfish, thinking of their own benefit without doing anything good to the club. This is not acceptable. And as a result, I'm not willing to inject any more money while I'm being treated unfairly by those fans. And, you know, it, it then goes through some of the, like, the regulations and stuff and the speculation, but, the fact that he's gone out in a statement and told all the fans that he's not going to inject any more money in the club, surely for, you know, Sheffield Wednesday fans, that is completely concerning and, you know, concerning that they have an owner in the club that isn't going to spend any money. So, you know, how are they going to get transfers in the January transfer window? Or how are they going to improve the squad? How are they going to make sure that the infrastructure and the training ground is paid for? This is a, you know, this is a completely concerning level for for Sheffield Wednesday and I real feel really sorry for their fans. But I just wanted to address it in this podcast because obviously we like looking at all the different aspects, not just the games, but you know, I really do feel sorry for Wednesday at the moment and, you know, let's hope there's a quick resolution and maybe the current owner, um, who's Dejvon Chansiri can, you know, sell the club and get a owner actually wants to be there and actually injects some good money and gets the club to you know at least be stable in the championship because at the moment they're obviously on a very very bad run and they're definitely at risk of going down this season um and when you don't have any money in the club and you can't purchase the players that you want to get you out of that situation then it's always going to be an uphill struggle so you know everyone at the EFL Sesh podcast wishes Sheffield Wednesday the best of luck and hopefully it turns and turns it around but you know it's unfortunately it's been an absolute shambles of a football club run in the last few weeks and unfortunately they're getting they're getting bad results as a result of it and as a yeah, as a football fan in general it's just something you don't like to see so I just wanted to address it on this podcast and uh, yeah on that note I will then go on to uh talk about a couple of the games from the championship this game, coming game week and you know there's some really good games so I'm looking forward to dissect them now well not quite now Andy you, you can't just demand that I plow onwards with the pod when you're just in there just making up words pernian what, what are we talking about show me that in the dictionary but um yeah good statement that was for the global audience so I will leave it in but um that's nice. I I feel like that was almost obviously he's addressed it to the fans, but I feel actually like Dejfon has 
almost directly addressed our criticisms of him in in recent weeks, which I'm a huge fan of. I mean, absolutely, we're just just sitting in his kitchen, just at his table. Pass us the shreddies. Where's the milk? Um, love that, Dejvon. If you're listening, well, I know you're listening. Um, give us a ring. We'll, we'll hash it out live on the pod. No need to at us with these weird sort of club statements. Just, just yeah. You, I'm sure you've you've got our number. We're all connected people. Just, just, just phone in. Um, yeah, that's all I'd say really. Just make a joke about word pernian and and call out Dejvon. So I will now concede the floor and Andy can give us his uh, his smug championship update again. Okay. Adios, amigos. So, the first game that I'm going to be uh, dissecting in the championship um, is uh, Millwall versus Swansea. Um, you know, it seemed like a really, really good game, but Swansea um, finally kind of, not say off the mark, but they've probably had their first kind of statement win of the season, I'd say. Um, a 3-0 away win, which is, you know, really pleasing to see. You know, Jamal Lowe getting a penalty on the 23rd minute, Grimes on the 57th, so nice times to score. Um, and then on the 79th minute, how you say this name, I have no idea. Kukaregovic? Uh, you know, that could be absolutely butchered, so I do apologise to him who obviously clearly listens to the podcast in advance. But, um, you know, a really convincing um, win at the Dem, which is normally quite a hard place to kind of go and go and win because certainly a raucous atmosphere. And obviously, you know, as someone that likes West Ham, it's obviously nice seeing Millwall lose, but, you know, we digress the fact. Um, oh, Joe will be very happy. Gary Rowett, obviously, using all five subs and Michael Duff uh, using four of the subs, which is great. And also, that guy, obviously, I couldn't, I butchered his name, came on as a 46th minute sub and got a goal. And it's great to see when you have, you know, your impact players or your sub players actually making impacts in the game. It's really pleasing to see. The stats show a kind of really even game. So, obviously, it wasn't fully one-way traffic. It seemed actually fully one-way traffic. Um, but it's 50-50% possession. Expected goals, Millwall's 1.54 to Swansea's 1.24. As the away team, you kind of should expect maybe a little bit of XG less because, you know... In front of home fans, home players should, you know, should hopefully be peppering the goal a bit more. But 22 shots for Millwall to uh, Swansea seven, five on target for both teams, but no shots on go- and no goals for obviously Millwall, which is, you know, for my stats that I like, which is goal conversion rate percentage. That is incredibly poor. So you know, get your act together, Millwall. Um, five shots on target for Swansea, three goals. That's, you know. Complete start difference, good old sixty percent hit rate. So good on you, love that, love to see it. But from from what I've seen, you know, on the highlights in the game, it was a very much well deserved victory for kind of Swansea. Really, a you know very stereotypical away performance. Be hard to beat, shore up at the back, and get some goals on the break. And you know exactly kind of what the doctor ordered really in terms of away performance and I'm kind of happy for Michael Duff really he's been getting a lot of stick recently actually also on this podcast we've definitely have given him a a bit of stick but I think that's two wins on the bounce for Swansea now and I think that will give him a lot of confidence gets him to 19th in the table just outside the relegation zone now so then you know initial you know relegation fears have slightly been eased obviously you can never be fully out of the question but 
a really, really good win nonetheless. But a quite concerning loss for Millwall. They're a minus four goal difference, only 11 points. And, you know, they're normally a team that are kind of flirting with the playoff zone or just outside the playoff zone. So to see them 15th after nine games is, you know, not really pleasing. I think many Millwall fans will be quite, you know, sad about their start and maybe not as pleased as what they wanted. Um, so that's a, that's a shame. And I think, you know, there will be a period where I think Millwall will go on a run. They've got the quality, they've got the squad to do that. They clearly know how to play at championship level. But it's one of them things where sometimes a slow start can really kick you at the end of the season. You'll be fighting for points at the end and they may think like some of this, you know, this result at home against the Swansea team that haven't been in the real best of form, losing 3-0 at home. Then they're the kind of results that could be the difference between 7th and 6th, right? So it's just something to think about. I think if they keep going on their run, the bad run, or not as fruitful run, Millwall, um, maybe Gary Owett something, maybe has something to, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Something to uh, consider, uh, ponder. I can't think of it. Why can't I think of it? Um, this uh, Gary Rowett certainly got something to question and question himself and also the club can question him um, on his future um, so if it carries on I think he might be in trouble but we'll see, we'll see how that goes um, but yeah overall the game you know the game was good um, seemed to be a good kind of advert for the championship you know back and forth football but a really 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 good result I think for Swansea and something that will take a lot of confidence with into the uh, next hopefully few game weeks and if they can get a bit more of a run because they've you know they, they play some lovely football and they've always been a team which has been very passing heavy um, possession based football team um, so I, I, I wish them luck and I hope they hopefully this is the catalyst for a good uh, run of fixtures moving forward yeah thanks Andy um, unfortunately my interjections at your wordlessness were about two days too late so yeah I didn't I didn't really help you out there but um, I tried Um I well, I can't really add anything to that analysis. It was very thorough, and you even included my my favourite stat. So thank you very much. I think the only gap left to fill is the question on everyone's lips: Who is Mikhailo Kukarovic? And let me tell you, he uh, he was born in a small village in the northwest of Ukraine called Udritsk, um, and he actually began his career as a child uh, about 150 miles away at Volin Lutsk. Um, where he came through the youth system as a striker before making the switch to Rook Lviv, um, where he made his senior debut about four years ago. Um, and that side, Rook Lviv, actually won promotion that year. So, you know, big impact for, for a teenager. Um, following season, played in the now newly promoted, newly top-divisioned Rook Lviv. Uh, played in 18 matches, scored twice. So, you know, he's a young guy. He's still learning his trade. Made the switch to uh, Troyes. Um, in League Un, I, yeah, you can. I can hear you applauding my pronunciation of that. I know French is my second language. Um, where he made a couple of sub appearances, he's had his run out against PSG, a sort of obligatory Farmers League run out. Um, he appears then to have moved to Hibernian, I believe, thereafter making the gargantuan step to to Swansea. Um, in that time, he's also played 12 times for Euro- Ukrainian underage side. So, yeah, excuse our ignorance, Mikhail. Well, Andy's ignorance, all of that was just off the top of my head. Um, Andy, please redeem yourself. Where's the uh, analysis for the second championship game of the weekend? So the next game and final game I'm going to be talking about in the championship is uh, 
Joe's beloved Bristol City, who he thinks are going to go to the moon this season against Stoke. Um, and this was a barnstormer of a game. Absolutely brilliant game. Um, and it ended up Bristol City 2, Stoke 3. So a massive result for Stoke, who have definitely not been um, on a good run since... Uh, since the start of the season, really. Had a pretty decent start for the first couple of games, but then have really been on a bit of a slippery slope, and that is a massive win for Alex Neal, and that is a massive win for Stoke, certainly. Um, but the game was definitely back and forth and something that, you know, the neutrals would have loved. Um, so Bell gets a goal for Bristol City on the fifth minute, and then Naki Wells, who's a bit of an EFL legend again, but, you know, played at quite a high level as well, but always thought he was a pretty decent striker. You know, Ray gets, uh, gets Bristol City racing into a 2-0 lead within 15. 15 minutes, which is, you know, mad. But then, really good response from Stoke. Five minutes later, Larice gets a goal to make it 2-1 to Bristol City. And then, uh, just after half-time, Haksabanovic gets a uh, really, really good goal on the 47th to kind of make it really interesting. And then, right at the end, right at the death, on the 89th minute, uh, Lowe gets a 89th minute winner, which is, you know, stuff you love to see, really. Um, so... Um, and also assist by June Hobay. What a name that is. Love that. Um, but a really, really pleasing comeback, fight back, whatever you want to call it from Stoke. And I think that will give them a, a, a massive, massive confidence boost coming up for the, the games they've got coming up. Um, looking at the stats, um, oh, Joe will love it. Absolutely. Pearson and Neil, two absolute legends of the FL in terms of managerials. Five subs used per team, so Joe's going to be absolutely thrilled with them statistics. A lovely five-substitute game. Again, 53% possession for Bristol, 47 for Stoke. Um, 1.3 expected goals for Stoke, 0.96 for... Um, sorry, 1.3 expected goals for Bristol, um, 0.96 for Stoke. 13 shots to six uh, in, in Bristol's favour, but similar shots on target. Four, go four on target, three goals. That is unbelievable strike rate. And again, you just need to take your chances when you're away from home. You, you know, you you're not going to get too many chances against the home team. You know, regardless, but only if they're like you know absolute trash and lingering at the bottom of the table. But most most of the time, you're going to be under the caution. The home team are probably going to have majority of the ascendancy. So when you get them moments where you have shots and where you have opportunities to score, you really do need to take them. And it looks like Stoke had them opportunities and really utilised the um, opportunities they had. And when you do that, you're going to get better results than not. They always say the perfect formula of a, of a season is win at home, draw away. So if you can get any wins away... That's a massive bonus and will definitely help you in the season ahead. So, you know, Stoke will be absolutely delighted with that, which is which is good. You know, I I think I think Bristol obviously are really, really good, you know, I think good good football inside, have some nice, really good players. Um love the fact that both managers use four three three formations and you know, Brexit football, gotta love it. Um uh but you know, I think on the on paper on paper, you know, Stoke have a really, really good, you know, squad in general they have some really nice players they've got some good good like technical players as well um you know shout out to ben wilmot uh he's a I, I saw him when stoke came to ipswich uh at the start of the season and uh thought he was actually quite a tidy defender and uh you know very very good so i think you know he's one certainly for the future for them and um yeah shout out ben wilmot on on the pod 
Um, but I think, you know, Alex Neil was probably a bit under a bit of pressure because their last few games have been, you know, it's been really bad banner run of results. Losing 2-0 to Preston, 1-0 to Norwich. Drew 2-0 with uh, Huddersfield. Lost 3-1 to uh, Stoke and then lost to, sorry, to Hull and then lost to Bournemouth in the uh in the cup so they, they they haven't won in five games so to get that first elusive win especially away from home they'll be absolutely delighted with that so um i know bristol city will be will be fine i think they still will have they still have a good enough squad to really you know mount a good challenge this season for the playoffs i think from what i've seen but um you know that will do stoke the world of good and i think bristol will crack on and hopefully go on a bit of a better run I wouldn't say it's any panic stations at the moment and Nigel Pearson's that kind of manager that you know won't panic he knows kind of the league inside out and will find the right formula to get that team ticking again so but no the, the reason why we highlighted this game is that it was a really really good game for the neutral the highlights were great and to get an 89th minute winner from 2-0 down is absolutely limp I can imagine the limbs in the away end was sensational so that's really really good um Oh, you know that's that's the other championship game we're going through. So let's have a little little deep dive in the championship table, shall we? So after nine games, you know we're getting to that ten game mark, the ten to fifteen game mark, where we we said earlier in the season that the table kind of shapes up based on this. Uh, we but we have Leicester at the top of the league, twenty four points. I think one of the best league starts. Um, We've seen in a long, long time um, on 24 points, and we still have Ipswich in second, which is mind blowing on 22. Um, they, you know, had a good draw um, away at Huddersfield, um, good last minute uh, equaliser from Brandon Williams there. But Leicester again, so I'll go back to Leicester. Big 4-1 win uh, on the on the weekend, and uh, yeah, they are purring, and I think. I think anyone, <laughs> I think anyone, if they put a bet on Leicester to win the league, I think that would be pretty, you know, could be pretty safe money this season. So, you know, let's hope that they can keep that back, that run going and, you know, mount a really, really good title change. And I think they can. Uh, Preston, who have, you know, had a couple of dodgy results recently, but they're still third with 20 points, which is good. But again, maybe the little bit of, they've had a bit of a humbling, which they needed, but hopefully they can get back on winning terms. Sunderland, um, after a shaky start, plus 10 goal difference, <laughs> even though they have had some dodgy results. Um, fourth for 16 points. So a hole, fifth with 16 points. And then Cardiff with 16 points. Cardiff, let's be a massive shout out to Cardiff. Four straight wins. Right, we had them. I wasn't high in Cardiff at all this season. You know, in my predictions, I think I had them, you know, pretty much near the bottom or, you know, certainly flirting with relegation. But four straight wins, um, you know, is is a massive achievement in any league, let alone the championship. And for them to be scoring some great goals, you know, getting contributions across the pitch and now be in the playoff zone after nine games, that's massive kudos to Errol Ballou Ballou and, and and his squad. Um, they're really cooking right now, and let's hope that continues because it's it's great to see. You know, Cardiff are a massive club. Um, you know, have had their period in the Premier League, I believe, and uh, you know, it's one of them things where, you know, if they keep going, they've certainly got a chance. And then the relegation zone. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of mine and Joe's predictions are kind of coming true in terms of relegation zone at the moment. So we have QPR, which after the uh, start of the season, optimism after a couple of good results have really been on a bit of a slippery slope and can't buy a win at the moment. So they're on a they're on 
they're 22nd with eight points. Rotherham, again, I just don't think they've got the squad to really stay in this division. They were lucky to stay up last season. Um, they're on 20, they're on at 23rd with five points. And then Sheffield Wednesday, you know, obviously I spoke about them earlier about, about the owner. That club is in absolute turmoil at the moment and just needs a fresh injection of money or just a massive bit of stability um, at the moment. But at the moment, you just can't see it happening. Unfortunately, they're still winless. Um, nine games, only two points, minus twelve goal difference. It's it's not nice reading when you're a, when you're a Sheffield Wednesday fan. So, yeah, that's that's a real shame. Okay, well that's the championship dissected. Yeah, I thought it was a really good game week in the championship this year. But I will now pass you over to again my illustrious co-host Joe, who will dissect the uh, the game week of League One. Um, and there were some barnstorming games this week, so you know. Listen up. Well, in the spirit of keeping this a, uh, a friendly back and forth, I've made some notes of things to talk about from what you said. Um, first off, I love the continued use of uh, calling teams trash. That's, a, that's something that I'm going to have to incorporate into my own vocabulary. It feels very sort of pseudo-American, but I like it. Uh, I think that's something that we should definitely use more of. Um, Trying to weave that into a chant somehow. I'll, I'll, I'll keep going through the motions on that one and report back. Um, also, every time you say, that's a real shame, never sounds like you mean it. Like the, the levels of sarcasm and sort of just general pedantry there uh, off the charts. Um, again, not a negative. I'm a huge fan of that. Um, on to the negatives. Errol Ballou. I thought we'd established now we're calling him Errol Bullet. Um, but hey... We'll, we'll we'll mix it up and we'll have to get Errol on the blower to uh, to give us the correct pronunciation when he's when he's free. Um, and right at the end there, you said there were barnstormers in League One, and let me tell you, there is anything but. I have had to scrape the barrel for things to say about these uh, these League One games. So that's that's a great way to start. So there there you go. Let me capture your imagination for the next ten minutes by telling you there's nothing to talk about, but. But there you go. Um, some some slightly championship related, championship adjacent news, I guess. Before I do move on to League One, was talking to a Bristol City fan recently, um, and they gave me the inside scoop on Nigel Pearson, who has apparently got them playing the most diabolical brand of football you've ever seen. Um, boring, error prone, and a possession for the sake of possession came up were some of my notes from that interview so yeah maybe we've been too generous with Nigel maybe he needs to sort himself out and and start playing the the Pep Guardiola style of football that we all know Bristol City are capable of um anyway I'm wittering on no one likes to see that so on to League One I realize what I've done there is segue into myself I've gone from one section of me to another section of me, which isn't my, my my finest work, but professionalism abounds, so we we shall continue. Um, maybe that's what we're calling pernian. Maybe that's what that means. Would you reckon, Andy? Completely agree. Yeah, okay. Stand for approval. Um, first game on the deck for League One this week is Stevenage versus Oxford, two teams that we've sort of talked, spoken quite a lot about this uh this year so far but actually it's because of the surprisingly good starts to the season both are having um, and that continued for Oxford not for Stevenage unfortunately 
3-1 away win for Oxford, who ended up going 1-0 down after 15 minutes from a, a Jamie Reid goal. Um, classic. Stevenage goal scorer is su- supreme this year. Um, only for eight minutes, though. Greg Lee steps up, slots one away. Job done. one all going into half-time. Fairly standard behaviour. Nothing else really happens from, from then on in. Um, ten minutes after half-time, Greg Lee steps up again. Puts Oxford 2-1 up. That's good for them. Um, again, another sort of good half an hour, 35 minutes of not a lot happens. Then Elliot Moore, 82nd minute for Oxford, slots a third home, puts the game to bed. James Beadle gets a 95th minute yellow for arguing. Just completes the list of things we love to see, really. Um, quite glad that I've chosen this one to review while Andy isn't here because the gloating would be off the chain. Um yeah, he he pulled this one out of absolutely thin air at the start of the year. I've got no idea where that came from, but Liam Manning, Andy, the whole Oxford squad, take a bow. Um, absolutely ripping it up at the moment. Um, top of the league or thereabouts. And uh, yeah, long, long may that continue, to be honest. Got nothing really against Oxford. Um, and what a shame it is to see, see Stevenage losing two in a row. Um, how... Uh, how terrible it would be if they didn't win another game until the end of the season. Um, but that's just our unbiased opinion on uh, on the FL Sesh podcast. That's nothing to do with my, my own thoughts and or feelings. Um, Andy, any thoughts on the result? Completely baffled me. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I'd go that far, but yeah, agreed. I didn't expect Stevenage to turn over... And have their tummies tickled. There you go. And even when you're not here, you're here um, so easily by Oxford. But but there you are. Um, moving on to the, the second game in League One that we're reviewing this week. And much more difficult to choose. Because other than that first result, nothing out of the ordinary happened. Um, everyone who was meant to win won. And everyone who was meant to lose lost. And not by massive margins either. So this one's a bit of a, a sort of a pluck out of obscurity. The two teams who I felt haven't, we haven't really spoken too much about. Well, we've spoken about one of them, not the other. Lincoln versus Cheltenham. Lincoln 2, Cheltenham 0. Not an unsurprising result. Um, shout out Lasse Sorensen. Again, if I'm not saying Lasse, right, or Lasse, Gisabelle, I'll correct that. Um, fifth and 21st minute goals. So put the game to bed quite early on, considering you're playing a team that still hasn't managed to find the back of the net after 11 games, which is a record equaler for those of you who are stats inclined. Um, A few yellow cards kicking around. Notable yellow card flurries were a pair of yellow cards for the managers, big fan, love a sort of sideline scrap when the football's rubbish. Um, And then two yellow cards in the 81st and 88th minute for two separate Ethans on the same team, which made me sort of do a double take. I was like, oh, they've, they've, they've double booked him and forgotten to send him off. But no, it was Ethan Hamilton and Ethan Erhahon, or Erhahon, which although don't sound that similar, on the page look quite similar. So write it out, or type it out, because your handwriting might make those two look, look crazy different. Type it out, look at it at a glance, and tell me that you didn't think the same player got booked twice. And then phone in. Um, yeah, nothing really doing. Other, oh, voice is going. We're back. Oh, flipping it. We're not back. 
Oh, I've just been well, resuscitated quickly. Um, we're back in the room. Um, nothing really doing other than the fact that Cheltenham still can't score. At what point do you just give up on your strikers and say, well, you boys haven't got it. You've not got it in you. You don't have the minerals, don't have the stones. I don't know what you don't have, but you don't have anything. So we're going to put you boys in the bin and bring in the academy players. Because even if, you know, the academy players might not also score, but he, I don't know, you've got to give him a chance, surely. If you're like a hungry 17, 18-year-old sitting in the academy, you'd think, well, I could, could have got one in the last 1,100 hours of football. Um, minutes, sorry, 1,100 minutes. Blimey, I haven't been playing that long, although I don't know, who wouldn't put it past him at this rate. Um, I, I don't know, I think we're in... See you later, territory for for Cheltenham. If I'm honest, which is good news for all rinks. I think for us to succeed, others must fail this year. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm sorry, Cheltenham, but I'm I'm almost at the point of of paying out my uh, my Cheltenham to get relegated bet, which actually might be the greatest indicator of you guys doing a massive turnaround, like huge turnaround, and don't lose a game until the end of the season and and can't stop scoring. But we shall see. Fingers crossed. I don't know. Fingers crossed, maybe. Hopefully you do. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it from me. I, I believe I'm now mandated to tell you the the table. But what's actually quite difficult is I have I have flummoxed the system and midweek games have now been played. So I'll I'll give you the table as I now see it. Um but just sort of asterisk it in your own mind. Some of these guys have played 11. Some of them have played 10. Um, if you're familiar with the EFL Sesh podcast, I presume you're regularly checking the Football League tables. So you'll, uh, you'll know what the score is. Um, Portsmouth topped the table with 25 points from 11 games. Um, our beloved Oxford are second with 24 points, but having only played 10. So they've got that game in hand. Um, little gap opening up between the uh, third place, first playoff spot. 20 points Bolton have, but also haven't played 10. Then the next three teams all played 11, 19, 18, 18, Barnsley, Peterborough, oh no, Barnsley, Stevenage, Peterborough, um, sorry, Stevenage. And then we've got a bottom four of Fleetwood on eight points, finally picking up some wins, one of them generously donated by Orient, which I think I called, I think I predicted that last week, so that there's one... There's one tick in my prediction box that wasn't actually scored, so I was just sort of giving that giving that prediction out for free. So those ones I get right, but the ones that matter, I'm I'm way off the mark. Um, Reading in twenty second, having played ten with only six points, um, and actually only four points deducted as well. So you can't really use that as an excuse anymore. They're just rubbish. Um, Wigan as well, five points after ten games. I know they've got minus eight, but that would still only put them at. 18th place um, and of course bottom Cheltenham one point no goals 19 conceded 11 played what do we call that Andy outright absurd you're absolutely right we do um, right I think it's back over to Andy for some some league two wrap up and round up um, don't know how long it'll be till you hear me again so I'm off to clear out my throat okay adios for the second time 
So thanks, Joe, for your great dissection of your favourite league in the world, which is League One, because clearly Leighton Orient are in it, so they are going to be your favourite league. Uh, but I am uh, swiftly going on to what we call the People's League or the People's Champion League, League Two. And I'm going to talk to you about a couple of games over the game week that took uh, uh, took our fancy or you know sprung up to us, definitely. And the first game I'm going to talk to you about is MK Dons versus Harrogate Town. You know, on on paper, doesn't sound like a really interesting game, but it was a one nil away win. We're talking about away games a lot at the moment, or away wins just seem more impressive, don't they? Uh, but Harrogate get a one nil away win at MK Dons, uh, courtesy of O'Hora own goal on the 40th minute. Um, but I think that kind of you know doesn't show the story really. I think it was an excellent, you know, from what I saw in the highlights, an excellent away performance by Harrogate, who you know. If you looked at both teams, you know, paper for paper, MK Dons have a much, you know, better squad depth and just an overall better squad than than, than Harrogate. So clearly, it was one of them games where Harrogate made themselves really, really hard to beat. Um, really, you know, really kind of kept it, you know, sharp shop at the back, be really resolute in their field, but also just have that bit that cutting edge or just, um, you know. Uh, force the issue to obviously get the own goal, the own goal w- winner, which alluded to be the winner. And obviously, you know, getting at fortieth minute, it's a nice time to get the goal. Go into half time one nil, but you obviously got to expect that MK Dons are going to come out and absolutely, you know, try and pepper the goal and get that equaliser. So the fact they were able to hold on, you know, is a massive testament to them. The stats kind of show it was definitely one, <laughs> definitely one way traffic in terms of a MK Dons, uh, MK Dons favour. And sometimes you get them games, which is the fact. But again, you've got to applaud the away team. So 66% possession to 34 in MK Dons' favour. Um, only 0.96 uh, XG for MK Dons and 0.3 um, uh, for, for Harrogate. But yeah, 0.96 XG when you've had 27, 27 shots, but only four on target in the game. So clearly, you know, that is poor shot conversion. But also, what are you doing with the ball when you're having these shots? Most of these shots must have gone into row Z, which is obviously a, a real shame. And, uh, you know, for MK Dons, who have actually been pretty free scoring this season, um, scored quite a lot of goals, you know, them having 27 shots and not able to convert one of them is, you know, a bad day at the office and for any Tetra team, let alone, you know, some team that's supposed to be up there in in the upper echelons of League Two. And then, you know, three shots on target, three shots, three shots on target, which is good from a conversion rate for uh Harrogate, but then getting that goal as well to to, to seal the deal. For me, what makes it really impressive is that, you know, it's it's just a really good, really good win. A really good win, you know, puts them on 13 points, which for, you know, a team like Harrogate after 10 games is not actually a bad return at all. You know, eases a little bit of relegation fears, always, already put already put them seven points above the relegation zone at the time of recording. So it's a, uh, it, it, it's a brilliant result for Harrogate and something that, you know, really caught my eye because I didn't expect this uh, result to come out and, um, and, and, it shows that really anyone in League Two can beat anyone, which makes it a really, really interesting league and a really competitive league. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, kudos to Harrogate. And I wanted to give you a good shout out because, you know, sometimes some teams we obviously talk about more and I will be talking about one that we kind of talk about every single week. But I, I cannot not talk about them this week, unfortunately, due to the score. But, you know, teams like Harrogate, they make this league and then they make it uber competitive. And it's great to see that anyone can beat anyone. So, you know, massive shout out to Harrogate and, you know, MK Dons, you know, they've 
The last few games have been a bit up and down. They've had some draws, some wins, but that will do them the world of good. Um, Harrogate and, and you know, I'm no doubt that MK Dons will come back firing and they've got the squad like players like Lecco are, you know, really, really good for this league and probably even actually League One level, if I'm being totally honest. So, it, you know, it, it's fine. MK Dons will be fine, um, but a disappointing and a bad day at the office for them. But... Uh, Really, really good day at the office at Har- for Harrogate, and then fans will be over the moon. I would have loved to have been there for that uh, that trip home on the bus. That would have been absolutely class. So the next t- next game I'm going to be talking about is uh, 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 Colchester and Notts County. I did allude to. I do talk about Notts County a lot, but I'll uh, I'll go on to that now. So, 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 let's talk about Colchester, actually near my neck of the woods. I live uh, just outside Chelmsford, so Colchester's one of my local clubs, and obviously I, I look out for their results, because being, being a local club, you should, regardless of your allegiances. Um, but against Notts County, what an absolute game of football this was. I, You know, unfricking believable um Colchester eventually run out 5-4 winners. <laughs> I'm saying that again, 5-4. This league has produced some 5-5, some 4-3, some 3-3, some 4-4s probably. This league is an absolute gunslinging league and it's stuff we love to see. Um but massive win for Colchester against a non Notts County side that have honestly been flying and then been at the top of the table and I think actually they're still top of the table at the time of recording. Yeah, they're still top of the table even after their loss, but an unbelievable amount of football. So let's dissect it, right? So Chilvers scores on the tenth minute to give uh, Colchester a one nil lead, but then Ten minutes later, on the twenty-first minute, Austin gets an equaliser for Notts County. You probably expect that, by the way, that Notts County are playing. Um, then Fevrier uh, gets a goal on the thirty-first minute to make it two-one, and then uh, Reed gets a thirty-eighth-minute goal to make it three-one at half-time. So, quite a shock. I wasn't expecting Colchester to be three-one up at half-time, but look at this. Honestly. Macaulay Langstaff, who I think is obviously a, a top quality striker, certainly I think higher than even League Two level. Um, he gets a goal on the 48th minute to make it 3-2, just after half time, 48th, and then uh, and then Jones gets a goal on the uh, again. I like Jones as well, very very decent player, rating very highly um, at this league as well. Gets a goal on the uh, 67th minute to make it through. Uh, actually, no, I digress. McGeehan gets a goal on the 58th to make it 4-2 to uh, Colchester. Jones get a goal on the 67th minute to make it 4-3. So much so, this game is an absolutely uh, massive merry-go-round or a roller coaster because I'm getting even the score times wrong. There's so much on the screen. Um, so that makes it uh, that makes it yeah four three. Reed then gets another goal on the seventy third minute to make it five three, and then Macaulay Langstaff on the ninety second minute in garbage time makes it five four in a really really uh, squeaky bum time for Colchester to see it out. But it ends up five four, an absolute barnstorm of a game. And look at the highlights; some of the goals are excellent. Um, only three subs used by both teams, which Joe will be absolutely furious about. But you know, I think he'll uh, he'll allow it based on the absolute gunslinger of a game it was. Um, so looking at the stats, um, 
35% possession for Colchester, 65% possession for Notts County. I think for a team up there in the upper, you know, top of the league, they're going to probably have more possession and have more confidence. But 2.13 to 2.98 expected goals for Colchester and Notts County, respectively, is very good going. 15 shots for Colchester, 8 on target, 5 goals. That's not bad in the slightest. 21 shots for twenty-one shots for Notts County, so 36 shots in the game. I'll tell you that again, that's 36 shots in the game for Notts County. 7 on target, 4 goals. That is not bad at all. Um, unbe- you know, I just can't believe it. Unbelievable game. Um, it's... One of them games that will live, live long away. And there was a red card for Gip McGeehan. So he scores a goal and he gets sent off. Unbelievable scenes. Like, you just can't you can't write this stuff. This game had absolutely everything. And it was a massive advert. Regardless of, like, you know, probably the fans would be like, my God, like, please don't defend like that ever again uh, for both sides. But sometimes you just got to hold your hand up and be like, that was an unbelievable ba- ba- game of football. And I would have loved to have been at the Job Serve Community Stadium for that game. It would have been absolutely nuts um but you know a massive result for colchester you know they've been on a bit of a up and down run certainly they you know lost a crew uh, last week and they've had a you know a bit of a barren run but that will ease their fears a lot they've got 10 points after nine games got a game in hand over everybody so they've they've put themselves four points above the relegation zone so that's a massive win for them so you know good good for Colchester and you know I like Colchester very young squad but I think they've got some good you know good talent in that team and I think uh, it's one of them things where you know they just need to maybe you know get some more chemistry you know learn more about each other and hopefully Ghana can get a, a good song out of that team and get them on a bit of a run and get them out of the relegation fear but I don't think Notts County will be too down about that performance. Scoring four goals away from home, you you you'll only be frustrated when you score four goals away from home and you get absolutely nothing out of the game. That'll be the only concerning thing. But even they will say it's been a great start to the season. They're still top of the league, twenty points after ten games. Um, so you know it's 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 still good reading for the for the team, and they'll definitely bounce back. So I've got no fears about that. So that's our two games. Um, that's our two games dissecting in League Two, and we'll just go through the go through the uh, table. Um, so Notts County, as we alluded to, our goal difference of four, but twenty points after ten games, top of the league. And as we keep saying, I don't know why we don't talk about them more in this league, but they seem to be just getting like little results. But Crawley are cooking. They are cooking on flames at the moment, and, and they've they they're only a, they're only second on goal difference, so plus three goal difference, twenty points. Swindon got a game in hand and. They they're definitely the form team at the moment, plus 12 goal difference. Uh, but 19 points after nine games, so if they win their game in hand, they will go top. Uh, Gillingham still in there, 19 points off 10 games. Again, zero goal difference, stuff you love to see. Mansfield, um, you know, we, we tip them quite highly. I think maybe just outside the playoff zone, but good. Um, on 18 points off 10 games. Wimbledon, Wimbledon I've been surprised with. I didn't wasn't really high on Wimbledon this season, um, but... 17 points after 10 games is certainly not a bad return in the plus goal difference. And Crew just make up the last playoff space. Um, again, seven goal difference on 17 points. Um, and then the relegation zone. Um, unfortunately, we have Tranmere. We talked about Tranmere obviously last week on the pod as Nigel Atkins has come into the team as the manager. Um, they had a bad result on the weekend and uh, they are unfortunately languishing. Minus six goal difference, six points. Um only just one point outside the relegation, outside 
you know the relegation zone so not too bad um and then unfortunately as we keep <laughs> we keep jinxing them every single week Sutton are still last in the division minus 12 goal difference four points um certainly hasn't been uh, after that start they had certainly hasn't been the uh season that Sutton fans would have wanted and hopefully they can get back on the W column and keep going um, this season so you know we wish Sutton the best of luck and hope the League 2 Messi um, pulls through for them um, but yeah that is League 2 dissected and actually that's our uh, EFL game week review done so uh, I'll go to a short break and hopefully um, with the power of of us being organised, Joe will be going straight into our predictions league and see how we did for game week nine. Absolutely have no idea how we got on, and they will go through. We then go through the next game week uh, results. Uh, sorry, predictions to predict or games to predict. So we'll see you in a moment. <laughs> Yes, you're back with me, Joe, for the Predictions League. And you say you're 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 inquisitive, Andy, about about how we will have done this week. And the answer will not shock you terribly. Again, I don't know what I don't know what's going wrong. Clearly, clearly, actually, I know exactly what's happening. The vast listenership of this podcast includes every single football league manager. And they listen out for our predictions each week and they then play it as their team talk to their teams before the game. And if they have been predicted to lose, it motivates their team. They're desperate to prove us wrong and the millions of listeners and, and therefore they, they they spin it around on us. So I can understand how it's happening. Um, yeah, a pretty shocking game week nine for the pair of us. Hull Plymouth was our championship game. Uh, I said 3 all. You said 2-1 Hull, and the answer was 1-0. So, un poire for me on that one. Uh, League 1, Peterborough Bristol Rovers. I went for a 3-1 Peterborough win. You predicted 2-0. The answer was 2-0, Peterborough. So, that's another poire for me. So, maybe I didn't do too badly this week. I did the scoring. So, this sounds surprising to me. And um, Crawley Sutton was our League 2 pick. I went 4-2, generous. You went 4-0, very generous. And the answer was 3-0 to Crawley. So you were close, but we still ended up on a poire apiece. So one all, which overall means I won the game week, 3-1. Um, and that has brought me to within a point of you, Andy. I'm on 15, you're on 16. 12 points to play for this week because you've added another game for us to... Uh, for us to predict so who knows maybe now i'm on form averaging a point a game um this will be me i'm in uh let me give you the games one in championship sheffield wednesday huddersfield i've gone for a 2-0 huddersfield win and you've gone for a 2-1 huddersfield win so that'll come down to the the scoreline rather than the final result um couple of league one games cambridge barnsley i've predicted 2-0 cambridge and you've predicted one all and I now think that game's actually been played. So I should have looked that up and lied. But we'll see. Maybe Cambridge won 2-0, in which case this looks like an elaborate ruse to make it sound like I didn't already know. But we'll see. Um, ah, you've got Orient Reading at the weekend. 
That's an interesting one. So you've said 2-1 to Orient, and I am not so... Any team below us is getting a result. So I'm going 1-0. Um, and for our League 2 pick, Crawley-Wrexham. You've gone 3-1 Wrexham, but I think Crawley's... Well, Crawley's insistence on proving my preseason prediction dead wrong is going to come to the fore once again, and they are going to win 1-0. They're going to shut out Wrexham. That's that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to bring me home. So there you go. There's the predictions league. I know you've all been dying to hear it all week. I'm sorry for the delay. There it is. Um, in the absence of a Canvey Island update, because I believe they were just pooring about in a friendly at the weekend, which no one cares about. Um, I believe Andy's, again, This I could be wrong, in which case I'll retract all of this, but Andy does have a note labelled Fans Questions, which I I think I'll, I'll play for us all now, and we can all answer it together. We've obviously got a couple of uh, questions and a couple of interactions with the fans on the socials. Um, so Lawrence asks us, um, and I'm keen to hear Joe's viewpoint on this as well um, and hopefully he'll answer this with the magic of uh, his editing skills but which current English player in the champ would be a wild card pick for the Euro squad yeah that is a really really good point point and I think you know I think one player I know that obviously we've got a bunch of really good central midfielders but I think Dewsbury Hall has been excellent for um, Leicester he was definitely my tip for um, player of the season and he's certainly getting some great contributions and bossing that midfield for uh, for Southampton so he's Southampton idiot Leicester um, so I think uh, I, th- I think he certainly would probably be my pick uh, for the England squad I'd say I think he would be able to give a good balance um, obviously I wouldn't put him in front of Ward Prowse but you know as a court sort of West Ham fan uh, I'm obviously going to say that um, but I'd say for me Keen and Dewsbury Hall uh, for me in in the in the as a wild card for the England squad um, and uh, another question or actually a statement from uh, from Jack Kindle Brown uh, friend of the pod um, go and listen to their uh, podcast Lawrence and Jack's uh, podcast talking loyal it goes for all the premier league uh game weeks and there's an absolute cracking listen so you know check them out on the socials and uh, listen to their podcast talking loyal um but they says uh hold to be switched tonight i think they're going tonight um so good luck for uh jack and lawrence who might be there tonight um two one scott twine with a goal uh potentially free kick um I don't think that's going to happen. I think uh, I think it might be a draw, um, but uh, I'm hoping for an Ipswich win. Uh, so up the tower, absolutely go for it. Okay, well I'll um, I'll address the fans in reverse order. Um, straight out the gate, full names in use. Love that. If you're a friend of the pod, um, I presume that's a paid position. But yeah, if you're a friend of the pod, you get your full name read out. So. There you go, and then there's there's no query around how we pronounce it because presumably you've told us how how to say it. So there, there's there's your incentive. Um, good good to hear your your own sort of in you know fan predictions and score predictions and that because then it gives me great confidence that actually everyone is crap at this and it's not just Andy and I. That was fantastic. So we had there are three possible results, you know, win, lose, or draw, and between the two of us, between the two football podcasts we've managed to predict the only result that didn't happen 
Um, the goal scorers that we did predict were for a team that didn't score. And the Ipswich fan didn't say that Ipswich would either win, didn't predict a goal scorer. It, it, basically, we couldn't, we literally couldn't have got it more wrong between the lot of us if we tried. So, fantastic display there, everyone. So, round of applause. Um, the other point around outside shout for the England squad of a player currently playing in the Championship. Um, you have obviously stolen. Yeah, the, the, the obvious choice in Dewsbury Hall. But, as you correctly point out, England actually have an abundance of players in that weird, advanced midfield position. Like, it doesn't really have a position at the moment. It's sort of like a football manager role of sort of in between midfield and striker. So I'm going to address a need position for England. And I'm going to game the question slightly because they don't... They're not permanently signed to a championship club. They're just currently playing in the championship. And I'm going to pick centre-back Callum Doyle. Number one, he's a born winner. All he does is win everywhere he goes. I know he's playing at like Sunderland in League One and Leicester in the championship, so you'd expect it. But, you know, he's got a winning mentality. Number two, England centre-backs are crap. Every time I go and watch England play, I sort of pat the boots in the rucksack just in case somebody goes down and they're like, oh, bloody hell, we can't bring Maguire on. So somebody up there needs to get on um i'm sort of there hand up yeah come on gareth um so if not me actually yeah okay fine so not me because i'm not playing in the championship um the next best choice callum doyle there you go um he's on loan from i'm gonna say manchester city it's either that or man U, but he i'm gonna stick with manchester city actually that would make more sense because of the sort of maraisa connection um what am I talking about? Who cares? What, what, what division do they play in again? I don't even know. I, it goes championship and then there's just this ether um, where apparently the England squad comes from. But I, I, I don't know. Um, cool. I'll stop rambling. I'll stop rambling. We've managed to keep it nice and tight under an hour, which is always the goal. And it always goes too long. Um, that's your lot. You've had a fantastic time with me and Andy. You've got all your normal reviews. It doesn't matter that I'm ill. You haven't got it because it can't be passed on over the airwaves. Um, you've got fans' questions. You've had the prediction league. What more could you have asked for other than on time upload? But sorry, that's how it goes sometimes. You get what you're given. Um, obviously, go back to the start of the pod and listen again for the probably incorrect um, socials plug. Um, I only, you only get one out of me per episode, not two. And... Um, yeah, enjoy your weeks. I'm sure we'll be speaking to yourselves much sooner than you'd like. Bye-bye. <laughs>